politics is a game. We're fixing to talk to a guy who was a winner in that game this week. You speak, we listen. Conversations connecting people. This is the Chuck Williams Show. Welcome back to the Chuck Williams Show. We we'll get right started right away. We got as our guest Columbus Mayor Skip Henderson. He is literally fresh off of a victory, a re-election victory last night, uh, less than 24 hours. So you had any sleep? No, I was going to say, I don't know how fresh I am when you <laughs> get in bed until about 3.30. But, uh, but it, was, it was worth the wait, waiting up, so it was, it was okay. You have just won re-election to a second term. as your eighth victory uh, in a citywide race, going back to 96. That makes you old and successful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how did this one feel? Was this one different than some of the others? I think they're all they're all different. I mean, it, it takes on uh, the campaign takes on the personalities of the individual in it, at least in my opinion. And uh, so this one was a little different. It was maybe just a little harsher. Uh, so uh, yeah, a little bit. You you won by a commanding margin. It's sixty three percent to thirty seven percent. That's Impressive, but the most impressive part of that to me is you did not lose a single precinct. What is, I mean, how does it make you feel? I mean, that's got to be good. Yeah, I mean, it really does. Um, it makes you feel extremely grateful uh, because, you know, Columbus is a big, big community, big in, in area-wise and, and big in population, second largest city in in, uh, in Georgia, and some very diverse pockets. It is, and and I think to some degree, what has helped me is that my idea of government is always. Hey, listen, I love the, I love the district representatives, the counselors that are uh, representing districts, but I've always just felt more comfortable knowing that anything I do impacts the entire community, and they all have an opportunity to vote on me. So, running at large for the previous. You know, six races before I got in into the mayor's office, uh, I think that helped me create relationships that um, I think led to, to to winning all those precincts. You know, one of the things that you just said was you kind of felt like everybody was yours. I talked to a number of voters uh, a week out from the election. I just stood outside the city services center and harassed people till they talked to me and. <laughs> Kind of like I'm doing now. Yeah, so. I harassed you to be here this, morning, this today. But one guy said, you know, I asked him, older white guy had a Vietnam uh, vet hat on. Um, I said, why did you vote? I said, who did you vote for? He said, I voted for Henderson. And I said, why? He said, well, he's been my counselor. You don't hear people say that. I mean, because you weren't a district counselor. You are at large. But this guy, for whatever reason, I don't know if you helped him solve a problem or whatever, but this guy considered you his counselor. I mean, is that kind of what you're talking about in the yeah. way you – I mean, that's the way I view it. I mean, I view, I view myself as his counselor and your counselor and anybody that lives in Muskogee County. And it's, uh, it's, it's a challenge because it's a, it's a lot of ground to cover. But uh, I, I think in order to get involved in local elected office, you have got to love people. I mean, you've got to be able to find value in every single individual in this community and recognize that, uh, that they have a right to, to be uh, looked after and, and have their needs addressed just like anybody else. Who was your role model when it came to politics? 
Gosh, you know, that's kind of interesting because I've been fortunate enough to, to sit on council with some incredible, incredible uh, public servants. I mean, A.J. McClung uh, is, is obviously got to be close to the top. But I think there, there are two that sort of stand out to me. Um, one's Red McDaniel, and because I knew Red, because uh, his son and I used to run around a lot together, and he, he still liked me, which, you know, made him okay in my book. But, uh, but, and I think the other one may surprise some people, but I think it was Evelyn, Evelyn Turner Pugh. Uh, you know, Red, because Red believed that you do everything you can as a counselor, but at the end of the day, you let the people who are hired to provide the services provide the services. And d- in other words, don't get in the way of the process of letting, letting, uh, letting the services be taken care of by our, our very capable staff. Uh, and Evelyn, twice a week garbage pickup. <laughs> twice a week, yeah. Well, but um, and Evelyn, I think um, I, I just really admired the way she she committed herself to serving people. She just she didn't care who you were. She had the softest voice, and she could be so sweet. And buddy, I tell you, she could smack you with a sledgehammer before you could move. Uh, and um, she just she was a very very competent public servant. And. We lost her a year ago, yep. um, and Evelyn was, I mean, she did it the right way. And I think and for the right reasons. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. You know, if you look at what happened in the election, you got a large swath of the South Columbus African-American vote. Um, and obviously, you didn't have an Evelyn to talk to this time, but I mean, those those are the kind of votes that Evelyn would have helped you get prior to her passing, right? Yeah, you know, and I I, I think that uh, in some ways, even though she's not here, lessons that I picked up from Evelyn, I think she did help me get some of those votes. That's quite a tribute. Uh, she's a she's quite a lady. <clears throat> so you know, when you talk about it, Red Matt Daniel. Columbus Country Club guy, very, you know, football hero, hometown hero kind of guy. Evelyn, a banker, but, you know, different races, different sexes. But, you know, it shows something that you were picking stuff up from everybody. Yeah. Is that is that just how you were raised or? Look, I, I tell people all the time that uh, I specialize in R&D. And that stands for rip off and, and duplicate uh, because y- you don't have to recreate the wheel. You, you look at what people are doing, you look at what works, and you try to emulate the very best of what they bring to the table. And uh, I, th- I think that if people, and this, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a public servant or whether you're, you're working at a, a service station, um, there's something to be picked up and learned from everybody you come into contact with. And, um, you know, I just have always believed that lifelong learning, it doesn't necessarily just mean in school. Uh, it means, it means you know, listening more than you talk uh, and keeping your eyes open. You, you, learn a lot of, you can learn a lot of things that will serve you well as you move through life. One of the things that I heard uh, John Anker say in the <coughs> campaigns he's running against you is Skip just doesn't listen. He doesn't listen to the police. He doesn't listen to the constituents. Um. Did that sting a little bit? I mean, yeah, you know, listen, I, I, 
I say half jokingly that uh, after being in politics for 24 years and being married for almost 40, uh, I've got pretty thick skin. But uh, that but that's unfair to my wife. She's <laughs> she's the angel uh, that keeps our household running. But but um, yeah, I mean yeah, nobody likes to have your integrity questioned or or your uh, your your um, manner in which you work question and in fact we we made a very conscious decision not to do that not to get back you know fight back in that 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 manner uh, because we we were getting uh, a lot of feedback from people that um, at local level you just don't have to do that you know if you tell people what you want to accomplish if you show them the plan that you want to bring out uh, bring to the table and try to try to accomplish these things uh, they'll 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 buy in at times it was insinuated that you were lying mm-hmm um, you know, I know in my family, in my raising, if you call somebody a liar, you say they're lying. That's a pretty, that's a pretty serious deal. When you heard some of that during the campaign, hey, he's lying about this or he's lying about that. How'd that hit you? Well, you know, probably the same way it did you and your family. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's infuriating, especially when you know that, uh, Unfortunately, it, it sometimes in campaigns is done for show. I mean, it's one of those deals, and some people, some uh, advisors on campaigns will tell you, you've got to attack the incumbent. You've got to go out there and try to make people feel like they're not trustworthy or they're not doing their job. And it's one of those things that in today's world, just like you know things you read on social media, people will assume they're true as soon as they read them. And if you get something like that out, sometimes it has an impact on the race. Fortunately, this time, I don't think it did. Uh, you know, we, uh, we would correct those things. And, and when, when he would try to insinuate that we were withholding something, or, or I, it, most of the time it just made no sense. So it was pretty easy to refute. That day that I spent out there talking to voters, and I'll say the number now, I never said it before, but I talked to 22 voters. 18 of the 22 told me they were voting for you. That was when I started to say, okay, this thing may be a little different than some people think it's going to be. But one old, older African-American woman who lived in East Winnin, uh, she kind of looked me out. She obviously watches Channel 3, and she said, Chuck, you know, we started talking about election, and she lives in East Winton. The woman with her lived off Far Road. So they're in two of the most heavily impacted areas of, with the city's crime problem, no question. Gang problems, stuff there. Both of them said they didn't personally blame you for the crime problem. They would like to see more cops. They'd like to see more stuff going on, but they didn't personally blame you. Um. But she, Miss Glory, I believe was her name, and I think she put it this way. I said, who are you voting for? And she goes, Chuck, I'm voting for Skip. And I said, why are you voting for Skip? And she goes, well, it's kind of like this. For the last four years, we've had a dog. <laughs> we've been training that dog, and he's a pretty good dog. Now, why would I want to go get another dog and run the risk of getting bit? <laughs> um, and I started laughing, and I've been thinking about that now for a week. I mean, Outside of her calling you a dog, I think we'll start calling you Fido or something. But, you know, I mean, what do you think when you hear – what is she trying to say when you hear that? Uh, you know, I, I'm not altogether sure. But, uh, no, I, I, I think it means that um, that 
she knows that I've been doing a pretty good job of serving this community. She knows that um, I'm out in the community. She knows that we've gone through some of the most difficult challenges over the last four years that any mayor has ever had to encounter. And, uh, and, and I think it has raised the, not just the comfort level, but the confidence level. And um, I, I'm, I'm, all kidding aside, very, very proud that, that she would think that, um, that we're the best choice for dealing with some of the challenges that we've got right now. One, another guy I talked to said something that almost verbatim to what you said to me when the campaign started. And it was one, you and I have had a number of off the record conversations over the years. And it was during one of those off the record conversations. So I'm going to bring it out now. But you said you kind of felt like you'd been cheated in a way you felt like COVID had, had not allowed you to kind of do the first term of your mayor's job the way you would have liked to have done it and one guy told me he said you know i'm not sure where i would be but i'm gonna vote for skip because i don't think he got a fair shake because of covid and you know it was almost verbatim but this was a 45 year old black guy um i mean but almost verbatim what you said in a candid moment months earlier yeah, you know, and we've shared it with people. We've we've told them when, when they ask us, because people don't know why you run it. Because, I mean, let's face it, it's, you don't do it for all the accolades, right? But, uh, but you know, one of the reasons, uh, and there are many, but one of the reasons is that um, we had a lot of ideas, a lot of plans, and a lot of uh, a lot of things that we wanted to accomplish. And, and I did, to some extent, feel like we kind of got cheated out of the time necessary to implement those things. Because, um, you know, people forget when... Uh, when I was sworn in in January, two months later, we had a tornado hit. As a matter of fact, it hit my house. Uh, and uh, I, I remember co- yeah. coming out. You were on a, you were cutting. You had a you had a Christian a Christian group out of Opelika that was cutting trees in your front yard. If I remember right, actually, it was. Uh, um, oh man, uh, I can't remember the name of the of the folks, but. Uh, they do these missions all over the world. I mean, whenever there's some kind of catastrophe that hits, they they, they jump to it. And I will I will tell you one funny story about that, though. Um, they all wear these orange T-shirts, and they're all age, and there's got to be 110 of them, and they just come like ants. They just start clearing property. They, they did our neighbors. They did around the corner, and then they came and helped with ours. And, you know, somebody called um, – Called the city and complained that we were <laughs> he had using, city work. Said we had prisoners out there clearing our 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 lot because these these Christians were were, uh, were out there just doing their doing their deal. But and it kills me I can't remember the name of it because it's a it's a Franklin Graham started this organization. But anyway, um, yeah. So we had we had the the tornado right off the bat and it took several months to kind of clear some of the the debris from people that were impacted by that and then we ended up. With COVID, and then George Floyd was murdered on television, and we had, uh, like every other community, uh, we had some harsh conversations and some very tough conversations, and we also had some marches, and uh, so we were kind of right in the middle of all of those. And the upshot was is that we really only had about a year to a year and a half to accomplish some of the things that we really wanted to put in place. You marched with some of the protesters for social justice. I mean, I can vividly remember the images of you coming up Macon Road. Um, do you think that hurt you with some 
people in the community that they didn't like you doing that? Uh, probably. I don't think there's anything you do as mayor or as a citywide representative that doesn't upset somebody. Uh, but, you know, part of the mayor's job is to listen, and regardless of what my previous opponent said, but uh, it, it is to listen. And um, sometimes it's listening in an environment where maybe you're not completely comfortable. Uh, and, and we went on some of those marches, and uh, it was clear they didn't want me there. Uh, and we still stood on the periphery, and we, and we listened because we wanted to be able to deal head-on with some of the issues and concerns that were being expressed. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, look, I represent everybody in this community. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what, what their demographics are, what their age, what their, their sex, their, their sexual preference uh, their 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 uh, nationality, their ethnicity, it doesn't matter. Everybody, if they're if they're a member of this community, it's my job to try to do what I can to make Columbus a good place for them to live. What's your number one priority going into a second term? Public safety. When you say public safety, are you talking about trying to solve the issues within the police department? Or are you talking about trying to lower the murder rate? Are you talking of what are you talking about when you say public safety? The answer is yes, and that's why we use the term public safety because um, it's all of those things. Public safety is a very broad umbrella, and we've got some major challenges. Um, we've got uh, we've got to increase the number of police on the street. Uh, we do have some plans put in place. Uh, we're using uh, we're, we're we're using newer recruiting techniques. We go outside. People ask us about seeing billboards here in Columbus recruiting for our officers to kind of go elsewhere, we do the same thing. We've got billboards in Gwinnett, and we've got billboards uh, up in the Northeast. We've, we've actually attracted a number of folks down to a little bit warmer climate. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's adding to the number of our police department, but it's also making sure they've got adequate um, resources so that they can stay safe while they keep the citizens safe. And it is lowering the, uh, the, the crime rate. And, you know, I'm always leery about using statistics when it comes to crime because each statistic is a person. And, and when you're talking about homicides or you're talking about murders, that statistic is, a, is an empty chair at a, a dinner table. Whether they were uh, you know, dealing drugs or not, it's still a family that's suffering. Uh, but we, we, the only metric we have to look at to see how we're doing, going in the right direction or not, is, is our numbers. And right now, uh, crime is down. Uh, for the same time period last year, it's, it's down this year. Um, we have about one half of the homicides that we had this time last year. I was going to say, I didn't hear anybody talk about that in the campaign the last three weeks. It's like the homicide number has dropped dramatically year to year. It, it, well, it has, but part of that's because we had such a huge spike in 21. Yep. I mean, we had 63 murder cases. More up normal there. now. Well, we hope. We hope, and and that that sounded bad. It, it, you know, hold the cards and letters. I, I mean, I, I didn't mean that for that to sound the way it did. Well, and you know, here's the deal: we 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 we've seen on television that there are so many bigger issues in this world than uh, some of the things we have to deal with every day. I mean, you see what's going on in Texas. I mean, our prayers and hearts are going out to the families of those elementary school kids. And, uh, you know, it's just, just 
something's got to happen. Something's got to break. Uh, we are really focusing on collaborations. Uh, our, our sheriff's department has been collaborating with the police department to form a more unified force as they go out and try to keep some of these things from happening. And when they do happen, you know, make the arrest quickly. We're excited about Stacy Jackson coming in as the new DA, uh, primarily because it'll give some stability there. We'll be able to add assistant DAs. Well, he's one of the best cases. lawyers in the city. Hey, if he's as good at putting them in jail as he was at keeping them out of jail, we're going to start getting the, the jail freed up as people move on. Yeah, I knew that it, we had hit an unusual point when multiple homicide detectives told me when Stacy's name was being floated, not yes, but heck yes, and I was like, and one of them just said, "I'd a whole lot rather deal with him in trial prep than I would on the witness stand." Well, and you know, listen, the, the interesting thing is when you talk about public safety, there's a whole bunch of dominoes in that line, and if you pull one domino out, the line stops moving. And one of them is the uh, uh, judicial piece. It's the DA and it's the judicial piece because if we don't get folks moved, the jail is not supposed to be a place for permanent incarceration. I mean, it's a holding facility so that you put somebody in there while they await trial. Uh, that's now, not you, what it feels like in Muskogee County right now. Well, that's right. And if you've got somebody, and we've had, we've had prisoners in the jail that have been there almost four years. That's, that's ridiculous. We either need to, need to get them to trial they need to either, if they're innocent, they need to try to get back with their life somehow. And if they're not, they need to be put in, uh, in, 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 a, in a prison somewhere so that they're not, uh, not menacing people on the streets. During the WRBL televised <laughs> debate, you basically stopped me in my tracks with one of your answers. It was not what I was expecting, and it has to do with what we were just talking about when we asked if you would consider merging the police department with the sheriff's office. I was expecting a flat no, that's not going to happen. And you said maybe the timing's not right, but it's something we will consider when the timing's right. I think what I, what I intended to get across is that it's not going to happen anytime soon. I don't intend to try to uh, merge them. And the, now, you're not going to do that in your four years? No. Okay. Now, what I do think that will happen eventually, just because if you look 10, 15 years down the road, <laughs> I think efficiency issues and, uh, and, and financial issues will, will make it uh, something that will be considered by a council. I don't see it happening anytime soon. Um, it won't happen in the four years I'm, I'm, I've got left. Um, but I do think at some point you'll see somebody bring it up. Two, I'll just go ahead and deal with this now kind of as a tail end to the public okay. safety piece of it. Uh, Chief Blackman, Police Chief Freddie Blackman, mm -hmm. became a lightning rod during this campaign, um, as did Isaiah Hughley, the city manager. Um, where do you stand in regards to Chief Blackman and the city manager? Um, chief Blackman is the police chief. Uh, he is uh, now, as we've said before, nobody has a job for life. Uh, not not the city manager, not the police chief, not the head of public works, not the engineer. None of them. They all have to continue to grow in their leadership, and they have to continue to grow in their experiential skill set. Uh, but um, but Chief Blackman deserves an opportunity, and he came into this transition in the middle of all this stuff we were talking about: COVID, 
social unrest, uh, defund the police, uh, increasing crime rates, um, labor issues that made it tough to find people to, to try to hire to get on the force. So he needs he deserves the opportunity to try to exercise his leadership skills and grow in it to make sure that he because he's got from a competency standpoint he he's off the chart and and we hired the police chief the exact same way with the exact same firm that we hired the fire chief and and the warden warden of Muskogee prison mm-hmm. so what about what about the city manager City manager, I made a statement when I was running for mayor the first time four years ago that because uh, anytime there's a race for mayor, somebody always starts talking about, well, you're going to fire the city manager. And I guess that's that's the world we live in because uh, the city manager is the COO of a, of a 3,000 employee organization with a $300 million budget and provides dozens of services to about 206,000 bosses. He is going to be a lightning rod, and he's going to end up catching a lot of grief because even when things are done exceptionally well, there'll be somebody that doesn't think it's done well enough. So I made the statement when I was running that uh, we'd put this to rest before it was asked. Isaiah Hughley was going to be the city manager. The guy has 16 years' experience. 30-plus years' experience in, in general government, but 16 as city manager. Um, I can't imagine running this city without somebody that has the depth and the breadth of, of knowledge and experience that, that he does. I asked you this. We did a Sunday conversation before we walked in here. Um, so we've had a little time and a few questions already, but I asked you this kind of coming in. 19,000 people voted for you. Mm-hmm. 11,000 people <clears throat> voted against you. Mm-hmm. What do you say to the people, the ones that A, supported you, and B, didn't vote for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, when, when your name's on a ballot and people make a conscious decision to vote for you, uh, there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that. But there's a ton of gratitude. I mean, I understand that they can elect anybody they want, and they have placed their bets on me and we take that extremely seriously another thing we take very seriously and we've stated this um, with the last race that we were involved in you know we're very well aware that there are a lot of people that thought I was the second best guy in a two-guy race right (laughs) so we're aware of that we're conscious and we're going to do everything we can to try to earn their respect earn their trust and work hard for them you know I, I think I've heard, I maybe heard of retributional type politics. I don't, that, this is local community service, public service at the local level. Um, no, my job is to take care of everybody in this community, even those that wish I wasn't the one taking care of them. But, and that's a big but, it's B-U-T, three dots behind it. But in the real world, when you shoot at the king, you better hit it. That's a. I think we've all heard that. It's. Like I think Judge Land even put it in an op- in a federal court opinion one time. Um, when you shoot at the king, you better hit him. You're not. A, are you? Do will you seek to punish those who didn't support you? Oh no, I didn't say we wouldn't make them sweat a little. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, 
That's that's a joke. That's a joke. Uh, oh, uh, but, oh no no. But, uh, <laughs> no 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 no. But no, we don't we don't punish people. I mean, listen, I, I, I maybe I'm maybe I'm a little different. Maybe I'm the purple cow out there. But uh, I don't look at it that way. I look at it if you care enough about people in general, then um, you don't you don't get upset with somebody just because they disagree with you. I think that's one of the things that's troubling this entire country right now is people have lost the ability to disagree civilly. They, they, all of a sudden, it's become, you don't agree with me? Well, I don't like you. Public discourse has gone to hell in a handbasket. And it's flowing downriver. Uh, and I just don't see, I'm not wired that way. Uh, you know, I get disappointed, but I can compartmentalize that. And, and I understand that uh, what benefits the people benefits this community. And you get some of that from your parents, your father and your your mother. We've done a podcast before, and we've talked about that. But you've been very fortunate. You and I are very similar ages, and you've had you, – I mean, I've been thinking a lot about it in the last two weeks, in the last week, because I've lost my dad recently. But you've had your dad there kind of around the corner from you mm-hmm. in a very similar situation to what I've had um, right. over the last ten years. Um, how important at this stage in your life is your relationship? Your mom's gone. Yep. Is your relationship with your dad? Uh, it's. I'm just so thankful for him. My dad will be uh, in September. He'll be ninety. Barry Henderson. Barry Henderson. He was uh, 23 years in the United States Army. Flew helicopters. Uh, was in Vietnam. Uh, his dad uh, actually worked for Georgia Power, was, and he died on the job when my dad was only six. I know you and I had that in common. Yeah. Your dad uh, didn't have a, a, Father. A, a male figure in his life growing up. Um, so, I, you know, my dad's one of my heroes, uh, and he's, um, he's one of the people that I try to emulate. And I, I, got one thing I inherited from him is I cry at Pampers commercials, so I get a little emotional talking about my pop, but... But he's a, he's a throwback. He's like your dad was. I mean, he believed in doing things the right way for the right reason. He, he believed that it's never a, the wrong time to do the right thing. And he also believed in you, you respect people and you treat them fairly. And, and those are some things that have formed the cornerstones of, uh, of, of my career in politics and my career in, uh, in, in the business world as well. As you went through this election, how much of that did you lean on when you had people who had supported you in the past who weren't that you know it was like at some point if you if you lived in a i'm gonna get to it back how much of that did you use did you did you use from during this campaign well one of the things i learned from my dad is you you know you you don't let you don't wear your emotions on your you know, on your face, you don't let people know when things are a little bit, a little bit stressful. Uh, you know, the, the Rudyard Kipling's poem. Uh, you know, when it talks about if you can keep your head when all around you are losing theirs, uh, I've always prided myself on uh, having a certain amount of restraint, self restraint that um, that allows me to remain calm in situations where other folks are freaking out. And I think I picked that up from my dad. You don't fly helicopters while people are shooting at you over the jungles of Vietnam 
if you're if you're nervous. Encourage. He you know he taught me too that you know courage is not charging into that. You know, not being afraid and charging into some some machine gun nest. Courage is being afraid and doing it anyway. So it's okay to be a little stressed, and it's okay to to be a little disappointed in folks that used to support you and now, for whatever reason, are not. Um, but you don't you don't let that impact how you treat those people. And th- and I'm kind of fixing to go into another line of questioning, but. Some people that woke up this morning and saw the results, 63-39, or 63-37 victory, they saw those results. It took them a while to get their arms around it because in their world where they hang, they were convinced you were about to lose. There was a segment in this community, and I talked to people in it all the time that thought there was no way in the world you could beat John Anchor, that it was over. I now, and I told some of them, they were in a bubble. They were in a bubble listening to people who thought like they did, who lived where they did, who didn't quite get around as much as some folks do. How, and I'm not even sure what the question is here, but, I mean, what do you say to those people who 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 clearly are not looking at a community as a whole but a very tight bubble? And I'll just say it right up front. Many of those people that voted for John Anchor told me they also voted for David Perdue, and it was about President Trump. I mean, th- there, it was clearly in that kind of bubble, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for laying this out the way I have, but... You know, what do you say to the people in that bubble? You know, I think um, I think the challenge is uh, being able to have the conversations when you do talk to folks that are in that bubble uh, and uh, getting them to uh, acknowledge that there are other viewpoints. So I, there's nothing wrong. People do it all the time. They surround themselves with people who make who they feel comfortable around, and, and some of them are just like them. That's right. And, um, and I, th- I happen to think that in a community like Columbus where we are so diverse and we have such unique uh, uh, venues uh, that um, you know, they miss out. I mean, I, you know, we heard people say that they were afraid to go downtown. And I thought, man, there were 20,000 people down at Riverfest. On a, on a Friday night, you're going to have thousands going to the, 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 the restaurants and hanging outside the ice cream shops and walking on the Riverwalk. And, heck, on a Wednesday night, it looks like a Friday night used to uh, years ago. I mean, it's, it, is, it is one of the most amazing downtown areas you'll find in the southeast. Uh, you know, little stuff. People say there's nothing to do. I'm like, go watch a hockey game. Costs you about eight bucks to get in. Go watch a, a, a arena football. I mean, get, there's something going on in this community all all the time. It, it is, you know, and it's funny the people that say, you know, I, I'm afraid to go downtown. And I hear it, and you know, to be quite honest with you, because I live downtown, I used to work downtown. A lot of what I do in my life is downtown. It's offensive to me. It's because it is, in many cases. 
not all cases, and not all, and I'm not overthinking, but it's an ignorant, prejudiced view. Well, and that's and there's a, therein lies the challenge because you know you've got folks that just that that don't typically get a whole lot, don't don't get very far outside their own yard. I mean, they'll they go to the store, they'll go to work, they'll go do some things, but then they'll come home, they'll cook out, you know, and that's fine. I mean, it's it's a great life for a lot of people. But I think what, what, what I would say to those folks is you have to acknowledge that there is a, a very, very large section of our community that not only appreciates and values all of these things that can, they can do, but they covet them. They, they want to bring more in. We're, we're seeing younger people come back to Columbus for the first time in years, and they're doing it because the restaurant scene, the art scene, the, the eco-tourism, it's, it's all pulling them back. You're having people, kids from Metro Atlanta, go to med school here and say, I'm staying here and practicing here. That is a fundamental change from years past. You know, and I guess when it, somebody says to me, well, you know, it's all crime down there and all that, it, you know, it kind of, it's kind of like the thing that Yogi Berra used to say, you know, this restaurant's so crowded, nobody goes there anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? You know, it, it just it, it makes no sense to me. And, and, you know, and there is crime. I mean, you know, the, a year ago we had a horrific shooting down there on, in the 10 block of Broadway that ended up going down into the residential area. Um, you know, the, the, there is a homeless problem in downtown Columbus and in the, this area. Um, you know, it ain't perfect, yeah. but, you know... You know, some of the challenges when you are the second largest city in Georgia, I mean, you're going to have some of the big city problems. I mean, and, and some of those things are, are not necessarily issues that you're going to eradicate, but you have to learn to deal with them, and you have to learn to be able to let folks coexist. And, you know, the homeless issues that we've got, we continue. Pat Frey and that group do an incredible job of housing anybody that wants to be housed. She's one of the heroes in this community. Absolutely. But a lot of, but a lot of, the, a lot of the individuals that are homeless right now are homeless by choice. They have dependency issues or there's mental illness or they just don't want to live indoors. And uh, so those are the folks that aren't going to be able to be housed. And, uh, and we have to learn to kind of to manage that issue uh, and uh, and I think Pat and some of the folks, I mean, they do a great job. They do. I mean, they they do. Neil Richardson, others are in that bucket as well. Um, getting near the end of this, um, you've been in politics since 1996. Mm -hmm. You've been either elected official or on the ballot every year since then. How has the game changed? Well, I think certainly from a campaign standpoint, it's changed. Because I remember just um, really six years ago, because I ran, you know, my council seat came up in, in uh, 16, I think. Yeah. And uh, uh, actually ran uh, against Teddy Reese. Who won last night. He did win. And, um, Snapped a two-game losing streak. That's right. But I, th I think we were just starting to use social media, and it was being used to supplement television. It, they would You'd put out vin videos, and you could communicate with your base. And, and then two years later, when I ran for mayor, 
it was a little bit more uh, of a give and take so that when you put things out there, I mean, people are going to fire back right away. And then just in four years, it's been, it's really gotten kind of kind of tough. I mean, you, you put something out and you know that half the folks that start commenting on it are people that are not going to be your fans and they're just ripping it to shreds. Uh, so I think, I think the campaigning has changed a lot. Um, I think social media has had the biggest role in, uh, in, in shifting the way it's done. You think that sometimes <laughs> people who post on social media that are angry or just, you know, whatever they are, that sometimes they don't realize, hey, people actually read that? <laughs> no, you know, I don't know. Uh, I would I would argue that it's almost just the opposite. I mean, that's how they get attention. I mean, look, we love hearing from folks. Uh, I, I will say this. Uh, when there's uh, an issue in a community, if there's a tree down or if there's uh, garbage, somebody illegally dumps something somewhere, it's okay to put it on Facebook and say how we're doing such a terrible job, but please call us too and let us know where it is because oftentimes we have to act as detectives and try to piece together from the pictures where that is so that we can go pick it up. So uh, we do see some of that where people will just put it out there as this horrible mess and then they don't call us to tell us tell it where it is. Uh, same thing with uh, things like streets when there's issues with potholes and things like that. If we we have potholes in Guam. We know about it. If we have one or two, but if we know about it, we get them fixed. Um, so yeah, so I would urge people that do use social media to point out those things. Continue to do it, but uh, also let us know where it is, and we'll go. We'll go get it taken care of. Well, we're at the end, I'm going to do the turn the tables. You've been here before, so you know what's coming. Ask me a question. Oh, man, ask you a question. Do I want to go low or do I want to go high? Back you off the plate a little bit? Uh, I, um, you can ask me if I'm running for mayor in four years. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to ask your wife if you're going to run for mayor in four years. <laughs> I get a much more interesting answer. Um, I, what has been, what's been the most difficult change? Because you came from a, a, a print background, and and not it's going to sound awful. I'm not I'm not trying to knock any of the media outlets, but print has changed a lot. I mean, we used to have local sections in the paper, and and we were getting little league scores and all that stuff. That's back when you were cutting your teeth in that stuff. Um, talk to me about how media has shifted a little bit from that environment to now working in electronic media? It's shifted dramatically. Um, what caused it? Money? Uh, yeah, money. But, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think the newspaper industry killed itself when they didn't embrace technology and didn't embrace the Internet. There's no reason there should not have been a consortium of uh, newspapers across the country combining their classified ads in a way that they owned the online classifieds. Didn't happen. Um, and then things went from there. But from the news side, the most fascinating part is... Could you imagine, and you dealt with them a lot over the years... 
but bringing Harry Franklin, a long-time legendary ledger reporter, back, bringing him into the Columbus TV, Columbus market, showing what the ledger is today, but more than that, showing a 16-year-old kid in his mom's basement in Smith Station who's essentially shaking up sure. the entire media market in, in Columbus. I mean, he wouldn't be able to understand it. I can't understand it, and I'm watching it. I mean, that's where we are. You think it's going to create spinoffs, other people trying to? Because I've seen a few others try to do them, and for whatever reason, they can't gain traction. Probably. Um, he, Does it he, make the news less reliable? Yes. But, you know, I get things wrong, too. Um, I got yes, some, you do. I, I got something wrong last <laughs> night on my coverage. I said you got elected in 2020 and you won seven races. You got elected in 1996 first and you won eight races. So I will correct that. And, you know, but that's the difference. I'll, you know, you correct your mistakes and you're aware of them. And, you know, I mean, we all make mistakes. I mean, we all make mistakes. That's part of it. You know, you've even made a mistake or two in the last four years as mayor. I thought I did once, but I was mistaken. <laughs> you, you weren't you were, no. were listening to trust, that 37%, yeah, Mr. Trust, mayor. Trust me, uh, we, we do make mistakes. And, there, and you know, listen, sometimes there's no right answer. There's just the one that's least wrong. And so you know going in that there's going to be people unhappy. You know, there's sometimes you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. That That's where politics is right now. It's definitely where it is. Does that count in the cussing thing? Is that going to no. get – okay. You have a swear jar or what? No, no, no. We have <laughs> – no, no. We D Dylan Hansen, our, direct, our director's here. He has a deal where he has to tell everybody you can't cuss and – some are harder than the others. I don't think he gave you the, the lecture he normally gives. No. Well, what, what, what was the old George Carlin, the seven words you can't say on television? Yeah, we won't go. Yeah, wait, what were they? No, so, you, no, no, you no, can't. No, no. Yeah, yeah no. there's a reason why you Google, can't. Google it. Google yeah, it. Google George Carlin. Uh, it'll, it'll come up. It's one of the funniest bits you've ever heard. Um, well, we're at the point now where I wrecked the car getting out of the building. Um but you have been listening to the Chuck Williams Show. You can listen to it on Tuesday nights on WRBL.com. You can get it on all, all of your podcast platforms, iHeart, Spotify, and Apple. And you also can follow us on social media, Chuck, Twitter at Chuck Williams, Facebook, Chuck Williams, WRBL, and uh, Instagram. Is that what it is? Instagram, Chuck Williams. I haven't been using my Instagram account much, Dylan. i got to start back. Chuck Williams 0999. And should we start TikTok, Dylan, you think? If they pay me, we'll <laughs> If they pay me to do it. <laughs> hey, is there a place for a 61-year-old old fat guy on TikTok? I don't think so. <laughs> not, not one that you'd want to go to. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest has been Columbus Mayor Skip Henderson. Skip, thanks for joining us. Congratulations on your win. Go, nice get, some, go get some rest. Take, take Memorial Day weekend off. Thank you. We may do that. <laughs>